Good morning, Southern Hills. Here we are, Easter Sunday. Uh, I've grown up going to church, which means I have lived through more Easter Sundays than I can clearly remember. And when I do try to clearly remember each one of those Easter Sundays individually on their own, I just can't do it. They, they end up blending together into a blur of, of brightly colored eggs and, and meaningful meals, uplifting worship services. Growing up in my home, Easter was without a doubt our favorite day of the year. Because not only did we get to go to church to celebrate our faith, but we continued that celebration as we invited extended family over to our home for a meal and and friends who were like family. And we didn't just share in a meal that day. We shared in that unique joy and goodness that comes from resurrection and resurrection alone. I really wish that I could figure out how to remember every single one of those individual Easter's. I can't do it. But I have a feeling that this Easter Sunday will be an Easter that I never forget because this Easter Sunday is different. And it's different not just for me, but for every single one of us. Because while we might still have brightly colored eggs in our houses and and maybe we're even going to have an Easter egg hunt later today, while we might have a carefully prepared meal, while we might even share in lighthearted moments of laughter and joy, so many of the things that so many of us do to celebrate this special day every year, they're not going to happen. We are not going to be able to physically gather together in this auditorium as a church family. And for those of us in our individual families, we're not going to be able to invite everyone in our extended families and all of the friends we have who are like family. We're not going to be able to gather together for that special meal and all the time that we're used to spending together. The, The truth is that the current coronavirus pandemic has stolen that from us. And while that's not something we probably want to think about on this Easter Sunday, it's the truth. And it's, it's a truth that I think we need to admit. It's a truth that I believe we need to face head on. We need to deal with it directly. Today will not go exactly the way we want it to go. It doesn't seem right. It, it doesn't feel fair. Today is an Easter Sunday that I believe you and I will never forget, but it's because It's an Easter Sunday, unlike any we've lived through before. That is the the cold, hard truth. That's the challenging truth that we have to face this morning. But there's an even better, deeper truth that I hope we'll embrace this morning. And that truth is this. That no matter what, today isn't canceled. A virus that we don't yet have a cure for can't cancel Easter. The very real loneliness that you and I are feeling and experiencing during this time of physical distancing, it can't cancel Easter. The the fact that we can't meet together, at least for a little while, here in this auditorium in a worship gathering, it's hard, I know, it, it makes us sad, but it can't cancel Easter. There is nothing, there is no power in all of creation that has what it takes to cancel Easter. You and I have to hold on to this deeper, better truth. When everything else about today might feel different, when we're wrestling with 
with feelings of, of doubt and disappointment. We need to believe, we need to hold on to the truth that no one can stop us from celebrating the undying hope of the resurrection. No one. No one. Easter was never supposed to be only this really great reason for us to have a really good time as we gather together. Easter was always supposed to be more than that. It was, it was supposed to really be the spiritual refuge for our souls. A spiritual refuge for our souls from the darkness and, and the death that, that we face, not just in these strange days, but we face every single day. COVID-19 may be new in our world, but there's nothing new about the fact and the reality that our lives and our world are incredibly fragile and precious and always at great risk. Always. Long ago, there were two sisters, Mary and Martha, and a brother. He was at great risk. He was sick. We don't know exactly what he was sick from. They didn't know exactly what he was sick from, but whatever it was, It wasn't just something he was fighting against that had put him in a place where he was fighting for his life. He was fighting to stay alive. And and Mary and Martha could tell when they looked at their brother that he didn't have much time. They were desperate. They didn't know what to do themselves, but they knew who to call for help. They sent for Jesus. Jesus, who was a personal friend of of the family, someone who knew and loved them well, and they knew enough about him to believe that whatever it was Lazarus was fighting against, Jesus could rescue him. Jesus could heal him. So they asked for Jesus to come. But days go by, and with each passing day, Lazarus, their beloved brother, is getting weaker and weaker, sicker and sicker. Time's running out, and eventually, Time runs out. Lazarus succumbs to the sickness. He dies. And Jesus doesn't show up. Mary and Martha, they, they, don't, they don't understand. They, they, they cannot get their minds and their hearts wrapped around why Jesus doesn't come. Why, why he doesn't show up when they call him, when they when they need his help, where is he? What could possibly be so important that it could keep him away? Well, sooner than they would expect, Jesus does arrive. He does show up. And that's where we're going to open scripture together this morning. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and locate John chapter 11. We'll start reading together in verse 17. John says, On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus asks Martha. Jesus didn't cause Lazarus to get sick. There's absolutely no indication at all that Jesus wanted Lazarus to get sick. And yet Lazarus got sick. And not only was he sick, but he lost his battle against that illness and he died. And I think it's important for us to notice that when Martha is speaking directly to Jesus about her disappointment, she doesn't blame Jesus for the fact that that her brother was sick. She blames Jesus for not doing something while there was still time. And later in this very same chapter of John, John tells us that Martha's sister Mary feels the exact same way. And it's understandable. These two grieving sisters are frustrated with Jesus for taking too long when they needed him the most. And yet even now, we we can see that Martha has this longing deep in her heart, this illogical longing that, that somehow, even though time ran out, maybe it's still not too late. She says to Jesus, I I know that even now you have the power to bring something beautiful out of this ugly situation. But even Martha doesn't know exactly what she means by that. She doesn't know what beautiful form this rescue should take. Because when Jesus says to her, you're right, your brother Lazarus will rise again. She responds to him, I believe with with a large degree of frustration in her voice when she says, yeah, I I know that he's going to rise again someday. I I know about the the resurrection of the dead on the last day, but but who knows how long that's going to take, Jesus? Who who knows how long I'm going to have to wait? And I'm hurting now. My heart is breaking now. I need your healing now. I need your help now. And to that desperate plea, Jesus responds by saying, well, then let me tell you something, Martha. Let me tell you something that is real and true right now. I am the resurrection and the life right now, not in some far off future. Do you believe it? And brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is having this very same conversation with us this morning. I am the resurrection and the life, he says to us. Do you believe it? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life right now? Not in some far off future, but right now. Right now, when we are facing together the the worst pandemic we have ever seen in our lifetime. Right now, when we are fighting against our fear and our anxiety about what What might happen next? Right now, when we are struggling to find our way forward in a world that feels like it has been completely turned upside down. Right now, do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do we believe that Jesus has the power to resurrect something beautiful in the midst of an ugly situation that we feel stuck in, that we feel trapped in? We asked some of our Southern Hills church members to reflect on 
on Jesus's resurrection power and, and his amazing ability in unexpected ways to bring new life out of difficult moments in our experiences. And this is how they responded.
Christ's resurrection power really does have this amazing ability to bring beautiful things to life, to to resurrect beautiful things in situations where you and I on our own, we just can't find, we can't see the beauty. But Jesus, he can, he does, and he changes everything. I am the resurrection and the life, he declares in John 11. And, And he backs up this amazing, astounding claim when he turns around and with just a few authoritative words, he speaks Lazarus back to life from the dead. And not that long after that, Jesus will undergo a miraculous resurrection of his own on that first Easter Sunday morning in the history of the world. We believe these things are true. We as Christians, as Christ followers, we believe in Jesus. But we've also promised to, to do more than just believe in Jesus. We have promised to be more and more like Jesus, which means that even though that the gift of our faith allows us to have this Easter perspective, right? That the, the gift of our faith allows us to have this focus on Christ's resurrection power in our everyday lives. We've got to do more than just have that perspective or that focus. We, we've got to do more, brothers and sisters, than believe in the resurrection. We've got to find a way to join Jesus and be the resurrection. We are called to be people who, who just like Jesus, are able to help other people experience a new life that is stronger than death itself, a new life that is stronger than any darkness or disappointment we can imagine having to face. It's not enough for us to read about it. It's not enough for us to think about it. It's not enough for us to claim it for ourselves, brothers and sisters. We have to find a way to join Jesus in making the resurrection real and present now. Real and present now for every single person in our lives. We have to join Jesus in making beautiful things take shape in the midst of a situation that we know is anything but beautiful. How do we do that? We make the new life of of the resurrection real every time we authentically reach out to connect with someone else. Every time we find a way to reassure someone that they are not alone. We make the resurrection real every time we pick up the phone and we call someone to see how they're holding up. We, We make the resurrection real Every time we send a text message or an email to someone telling them that we're thinking about them and asking them how we can be praying for them, we make the resurrection real when we find a pen and a blank sheet of paper and in our own handwriting, we we write, we describe hopes and dreams we have for someone who we know is barely holding on. We make the resurrection real when we, we create something that someone else really needs right now a cloth mask for protection or a colorful drawing for inspiration. We make the resurrection real when we grab groceries or we we pick up medicine for someone who we know shouldn't be out right now. We we make the resurrection real when we drop off cleaning supplies and, and cooking supplies and toiletry supplies on the front porch of someone who we know needs what we have that we can share. Brothers and sisters, we can make the resurrection real right now in a hundred different ways that we would have overlooked or taken for granted just a few weeks ago. 
You and I, we, we can make the choice. We can make the decision to be the evidence that God's new life is still breaking into this world of ours just by being there for someone who needs to know that even if they're stuck in a house right now all by themselves, they are never alone. Mary and Martha weren't alone. Lazarus wasn't alone. We are not alone. Jesus is with us. Jesus is for us. And Jesus is always working to help us rise again. So my challenge to you on this strangely different Easter Sunday is to take some time on this special day, do something specific and simple to be the resurrection and the life for someone you know who really needs it. Make that call. Write that note. Sew that mask. Run that errand. Drop off those necessities. If we want to celebrate what this day is really about, Brothers and sisters, we have to do more than just talk about it or think about it. We have to do more than just believe in the resurrection. We have to join Jesus. We have to be the resurrection and the life. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, may we celebrate the gift of new life together.